Warning. This episode of Seriously Wrong is a episode for donors. It's part of a series we're doing on revolution and revolutions. The full-length version is available for people who donate to our Patreon. This is just a preview. I don't want to catch you off guard or anything, but I hope you enjoy the part that's here. And doing this allows us to keep doing the show. So thank you for your patience with that. On with the preview show of this. The one. Yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Seriously Wrong Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sean. And my name's Aaron. And uh, I'm just getting over a really bad flu, really bad flu right now. It's been a real terror. You do seem more terrible today than yesterday, even though you're getting better, apparently. Yeah, I didn't sleep very well last night. I think that's part of the problem. But also, you really take for granted mouth wetness when you have it. And when you don't have that mouth wetness, it's unpleasant, folks. But that's not what this episode is about. This episode is about the French Revolution. It's not about what having a flu is like. Well, uh, you know, I think it ties in. I I really have to insist. I think we could talk about your flu, get into details. How does each part of your body feel? Oh, no, I'm flattered, but I really think we should get into the real meat and potatoes here, the French Revolution. Now, up until pretty recently, I didn't really know much about the French Revolution at all. I, I don't think I was ever really taught about it. In school, or if I was, I wasn't interested in it, and I don't remember anything that I was taught at all. Yeah, didn't know a lot. I mean, like most things in history. Not a history knowledge person. So we decided, hey, let's learn about the French Revolution and figure out how we can learn from it. What of it is relevant to today? This is like a major historical event. I saw multiple people saying, founding moment of modern democracy. It's the origin of the concept of the left-right political spectrum. The idea of left versus right, which is still so common in our politics today, started in the French Revolution. And sort of the modern idea of politicians started in the French Revolution. And politics, as we currently think of it. Yeah, like people with strong personalities rallying support behind them, getting elected into office. That isn't the way things are done when you have a king and his divine sovereignty is passed down through the generations. You don't have to do that. That type of politician isn't something that exists. I always find it really funny, the sort of connotation difference between this high-minded, like, democracy versus, like, the sort of, ooh, politics. Uh, (laughs) Like, if you're like, the French Revolution is the origin of democracy, it's like, oh, that's so righteous. That stirs something in me. But you're like, oh, it's the origin of politicians. And it's like, ooh, (laughs) ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. Well, every push has its pull, you know? (laughs) That's really, that's hashtag. Super deep. Balance. The big deep thoughts here. So, (laughs) something I was really surprised to find out is that the guillotine was invented during the French Revolution and was seen as a symbol of egalitarianism. Because before the existence of the guillotine, which is something that quickly chops off someone's head and quickly kills them with little pain. Yeah, not a lot of time to feel pain. And previously, there was all sorts of like weird torture techniques they used to kill people who were given death sentences. And it was unequal justice and that the poor would face the most torturous deaths. And so it was sort of like this utopian yeah beautiful idea that we're all everyone gets killed the same (laughs) and it's quick it's painless it's humanitarian yeah like you know you can see the especially compared to being tortured to death Mm -hmm. if i had the choice 
whew, guillotine any day. So yeah, the brilliant inventor Joseph Ignace Guillotine. Imagine that bit like your last name. <laughs> It's, this is the th- invention that you're most famous for. Your name lives on forever in the name of this <laughs> giant chopping mechanism for cutting off people's heads. Yeah, I think it also caught on just because of how symbolic it is and how kind of there's some showmanship to it. It's such a viscerally horrifying idea to have enormous blade drop down and separate your spine from your head. But... Compared to like, oh, we're going to stretch you out on this table and rip your intestines out or something like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's progress. Like that was a step forward for sure. I mean, even compared to like other more modern ways, people like the electric chair, I would go for guillotine over electric chair. I'd rather not be executed at all (laughs) if I could pick. Yeah. And I mean, I I oppose the death penalty, Mm, Yeah, which is a lot like someone else who opposed the death penalty. (laughs) Maximilien Robespierre, you know, one of the big names of the French Revolution. Before the French Revolution, he was known as the incorruptible because he was so notoriously interested in the issues of justice. He was like a lawyer. He'd protect uh, and fight for lower income people for righteous cause. So he was known as the incorruptible. And the French Revolution is kind of like the story of his corruption, right? Like it's... Uh, you know, you could argue whether he was corrupted or whether he was perfect the whole time. <laughs> but definitely, like, at the beginning, he was great. He's against slavery in favor of the rights of women, universal suffrage against foreign wars. During his kind of rise to prominence through the Jacobin Club, it's like in France at this time, there's all these political clubs popping up and it's enlightenment times and people are like discussing politics in public and like new ideas and sharing things, this exciting intellectual time. And he's this super well-read on the enlightenment lawyer who sticks up for downtrodden people. Great speaker. Yeah, he's famously associated with the guillotine because he's like one of the lead Jacobins that was it's debated but he's seen as responsible for the reign of terror being like one of the leading orators that have pushed people towards this mass violence but he started off in opposition to the death penalty and in one of the books that I was reading I only uh, read part of it it's about Robespierre specifically but when asked why he changed his mind on capital punishment his response was times have changed kind of the moment when he changed his mind was when it came time to be like okay are are we gonna kill the king or not and robespierre is like yes we have to kill the king to save the revolution something like that so it was like sort of the circumstance of escalating events caused him to change his mind you know first for the king but then yeah he became a big believer in cleansing violence by the end there's something that's a little bit haunting to me about the robespierre character development over the course of the revolution and starting off as this pristine sort of like social justice warrior this this real (laughs) this guy you can really look up to yeah and people still stand for robespierre like despite everything And, and maybe there's good reason to do that in some ways but like this turn towards cleansing violence it's sort of disturbing in a way of like how do we know in the modern age as people who advocate for big change and want to see the world become a much better place and have beautiful ideas about how the future should be, how do we insulate ourselves 
from whether you call it corruption or not, or like deviation or whatever, this potentiality towards violence and towards an ideology that not just supports violence, but like sees violence as the means from which goodness can come. Yeah, literally, like virtue needs violence in order to be realized, is his belief by the end. Okay, well, let's let's talk about this fat, ill-bred boy, the king. Yeah, well, king Louis. Say, let's um, <laughs> talk about what kind of conditions, what happened to bring the incorruptible himself, Robespierre, from that position to let's chop as many as we can. And as yeah, as you said, starts off with this fat, ill-bred boy. <laughs> so King King Louis the Sixteenth. He was the king of France, and he was widely seen as being in over his head. Not really interested in being king the same way as his father was. Yeah, and, he got crowned at nineteen. He just wasn't into it. He was like, "I'm way too young for this." And something Aaron taught me is that his dick didn't work. Is that true? <laughs> yeah, he gets married to Marie Antoinette when they're both like fifteen. So she's from Austria. She's from Austria. This is a political maneuver to create an alliance between these two countries that had historically been at odds for quite some time. So then when, you know, a young prince marries this future queen, you got to produce some offspring. And it's not happening for like years. And some of the sources I read on this said that this was a theory, but others presented it as fact that he had phimosis which is when you're uncircumcised and the foreskin is far too tight and getting an erection hurts because you can't get fully erect. It like gets caught in the tight foreskin. So couldn't have sex in that condition. He had to have a procedure, but he was scared to have the procedure because he's a little scared, fat, ill-bred boy. Yeah, so it took a long time for that to happen, which kind of further made him sort of a laughing stock of the public, like he wasn't thought of well. Yeah, he wasn't respected, and Marie Antoinette was sort of seen as this example of the extravagance of the royalty, that they got everything, they got to have this sort of opulent lifestyle while, you know, the commoners in France were starving. So, like, people are starving to death, Marie Antoinette's walking around with fruit in her hair, her husband can't even get her pregnant. Now, if we had a nice, strong king who could get his wife pregnant, then I'd be okay with starving every now and then. <laughs> but this guy, he can't even get her—he can't even get her pregs. His hobby was being a locksmith, and so like there was like political cartoons circulating about like, oh, locksmith can't find the keyhole, can't figure out how to unlock the key. <laughs> Today's episode of Seriously Wrong is proudly brought to you by Doctor Robespierre's Famosis Treatment. Are you suffering from untreated royal phimosis? Is it painful to consummate your marriage with a foreign-born queen? Are you the laughingstock of your court because it hurts when you get engorged? Hi, I'm Dr. Maximilian Robespierre. Me and my friends at the Jacobin Medical Club have invented an incredible new medical device that can quickly and effortlessly treat phimosis. It's a tiny little guillotine. It's, a, it's like a guillotine, except it's very small, and you put the, the foreskin through there. <laughs> now back to our show. <laughs> well, that's it for this preview, folks. If only we lived in a perfect utopia and didn't need donations, then we wouldn't uh, feel like it was the right thing to do to 
give great series to our donors. But currently in the world that we do live in, it does seem like the right thing to do to give great series to our donors because they make the show possible. So that's what this Revolution series is about, making a great series for our donors. So um, if you want to listen to the whole episode, and I, you know, it's a pretty good episode, and these are all pretty good episodes. We couldn't just put crappy ones behind the paywall. We have to put full-on great episodes we're super proud of. So yeah, for six bucks a month, you can get access to the whole back catalog, including older episodes, bonus episodes in this ongoing series about revolution. Um, and just a heads up, next week's episode is also going to be the second part of this so it's a good time to throw on the six bucks now. You're going to be getting two episodes over the next couple of weeks. On this subject, it's an edifying look into a piece of history. Who can resist? To- <coughs> Still that flu going on, hey? I'll include the flu stuff in the preview so they'll yeah, know what's man. up. Yeah, over the course of recording, too, I can just feel like my body's getting saying, more and more Return to yeah. the bed. <laughs> if you chip in six bucks, I'll buy some medicine. <laughs> this is a lovely episode, in my opinion, and uh, I'm really excited to keep doing these episodes on the topic of revolution and different revolutions and different aspects of revolution uh, from different angles or perspectives and uh, that's what we're going to be doing on patreon for a while and yeah we hope that you want to join us and support us in that it also makes a great gift for someone else absolutely yeah if you don't like the paywall cut our heads off after the revolution uh yeah i mean yeah, just please, please don't. Like we're not royalist sympathizers. No, 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 no. We'll no, no. get. We'll if we'll give away all the episodes if it's that or the guillotine for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think we've. I'm guessing people don't listen for the. <laughs> <laughs> they might, if that when they're this good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, say what you will about us, but we got some great prolonged asks. <laughs> With some good material in them, you know? like we Yeah, we try to some... at least make the ask fun. Yeah, and like philosophically grapple the ask, you know? like. And, w- and one benefit of not donating is you get to hear these great asks. <laughs> <laughs> All the donors probably just like, oafs, listen to the full episode. They're not even hearing this. We can shit talk them. <laughs> just between me and you, yeah, non-donating just, listeners. Just between us and you, non-donors. These donors are schmucks. <laughs> Please donate to our Patreon. The end.